everyone. Welcome back to the Thrive Leadership Podcast. I'm Brad Lominick, and CJ Alvarado is off on assignment. We've got him. Uh, we've got him tracking down some uh, some important stories, and he is who knows where he is. He's traveling to the far reaches of the globe to find the leader that we want to interview. I'm kidding. He's just not here. So I'm I'm solo. I'm Han Solo on this episode. I'm missing CJ, but wanted to uh, bring you what you might call a summary, an aggregate, a collection of some of the highlights from the recent Thrive Business Leaders Summit. Some of you were part of that. Some of you signed up. If you missed it, you can still go to thrivecommerce.org and uh, you can access some of those talks, some of those interviews. And we want you to just have a sense of, of being able to be encouraged right now as a business leader, whether you are or not, in terms of encouragement or discouragement. Uh, it, you know, we're going through a tough time, obviously, the last year. And so the uh, the team at Thrive just decided to put this Business Leader Summit together to try to bring some helpful, practical tools, resources, recommendations, insight, encouragement from uh, different leaders from around the country. So this is a collection of uh, of some of those conversations and wanted to bring that to you here on the Thrive Leadership Podcast. So let's jump into that, and then I'll have a few things to uh, share with you after hearing those. Today, we're pretty excited to have you with us. We're going to be talking about the Thrive Business Leadership Webinar, which happened last week. And we're going to do some highlights and some recaps of what took place. And uh, we're going to take a moment with some of us to share some of our highlights. And I know, uh, Dan Crystal, you're on. Dan, uh, what was your highlight of the uh, summit last week? Well, I was actually blessed to be able to watch the entire thing. Of course, I do work with Thrive, so I should probably be watching the entire thing. And um, well, I think one of my favorite parts of the entire day was just to see how across all the boards we had, we had so many people that were engaged. I was part of the chat room and um, just the just chat room was literally blowing up with comments and engagement. People were really into it. But one of the things I really liked the most, especially as far as speakers, was Elizabeth Maring. Elizabeth Maring is um, not, not only is she accomplished, she's probably one of the most humble, accomplished people I think I've ever met. And she was when she spoke, I just felt like I was on the same level plane as her. And uh, it didn't feel at all. And not that anybody else did, but I just she was so inclusive with her speech and how she chatted with everyone and making them feel comfortable and making them feel like they can do it. Uh, that I felt like for me, that just was what stood out out of all the speakers that I listened to. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I really enjoyed her as well. You know, we had uh, over 6,000 people, uh, unique individuals tune in on the day of our of the uh, summit. And then we've had many more join us since then on the replay. Uh, but we also had people from 30 different countries, more than 30 different countries by now. And uh, we've had someone from every state in the U.S., including Arkansas. So it's a pretty big reach that we have, and we're pretty excited about that. Um, the other thing that was pretty amazing, um, well, I'll share, I'll share one of my highlights, was I did a breakout. And first of all, I was surprised that people showed up, and we had a really good attendance throughout all of our breakouts. But um, there were just some really interesting people. I, I didn't expect people from all over the, the U.S. and Canada to come to a breakout. And then the other thing was there were some really major businesses represented we saw um, someone in my my webinar 
uh, is one of the directors at Intel, oversees um, half of the sales force, which uh, represents about $37 billion in sales. And uh, it's going to be 38 now that I, she sat in my webinar, at least that's what I'm hoping. But uh, it was just a great, um, great reach, great things. And the other thing's pretty amazing too. We put this together in about six weeks. The whole thing came together which are uh, amazing. Our team, Angie, who's in Montana today, and uh, Jen is on the call right now, Rebecca, Tawny, uh, just an incredible team of folks that really uh, made it happen. Jake in our tech area, all the tech guys that were part of that, um, CJ, we're just really excited and thankful to have such a great team make something that, like that happen. And we're, we've got so many great positive responses, people calling us, haven't we've had people call and saying, hey, can you consult us? Can you give us some direction? And uh, pretty amazed to see that. Uh, Dave Bixby, um, I know you had a highlight as well. You want to take a moment and share that? Sure. Um, <clears throat> so I had a breakout and it was entitled How Pastors Care for Businessmen, Businesswomen in Their Local Church, uh, given the situation we find ourselves in. And so what I did was I focused on some of the current data, and there's actually not a lot of current data out there. A lot of the data about businesses really are, it focuses on what happened in April, May, June, July. But I did find some data, and here's a shocking uh, piece of information. Uh, according to some of the research that's been done, uh, Yelp has determined that somewhere around 800 businesses across the country are closing every day. Um, uh, at UC Santa Cruz did some research and they would say that 1,500 businesses are closing every day in the U.S. So we talked about that and how pastors can come alongside these businesses, these members that are in their church, and not only in their church, but businesses in their local community. It is a great way for an outreach and for the church to come alongside these businesses and help them find a way. And so what the interesting thing was, even though I had a smaller uh, turnout, uh, two of the pastors were really interested in some of the things that that churches were doing around the country to support businesses. And um, uh, both of them in the chat asked for my phone number. And <laughs> I have uh, coffee with one tomorrow morning to help them think about ways that their church should come alongside. And then I have coffee with somebody else in, in, a, in two weeks. So uh, I was glad that I was able to be helpful. The, the business summit was phenomenal. I mean, having John that many people that came on board, especially internationally. Um, you know, some of these things are relevant no matter where you're at or what culture. And so uh, that, was, that was probably a high point for me. Yeah, and you know what? Um, we, just the, the caliper of speakers we were able to get last minute was amazing. One of my favorite speakers um, on the summit was Rich Stearns and we did the interview with him last week and you heard me say that I worked with Rich for five years at World Vision. But uh, he has a brand new book, and uh, he sent me an advanced copy of it. I've been uh, reading it, uh, Lead Like It Matters to God. And he talked with Ray about the subject of integrity and how crucial integrity is in uh, the business leadership world. And so I think uh, just being able to hear that and hear a few of the stories um, shared together was very um, life-giving to me, and it just put me back into that uh, time when I was uh, flying to Seattle every week to work with World Vision and all our partners around the world. Uh, pretty exciting time. Well, today what we're going to do, so we've got a couple of the highlight clips of ones that have been requested that people have 
uh, talked a lot about. And then, uh, so we're going to run those. We'll have a little dialogue uh, in between and after those. And then um, we will uh, call today. So here we are. We're going to start with our first one, uh, Kurt Harlow and James Powell. Uh, talking about using um, COVID and how they pivoted to make a successful Christmas at Bayside. So we'll run this video right now. Welcome back, everyone, to the Thrive Business Summit. Um, I hope you guys are getting so much encouragement today. The lineup has been incredible. If you're just joining us, welcome. If you missed some of the earlier stuff today, on your screen, down below, all of the content is there. You can log in at any time, go back and watch. Um, we're so excited for the rest of the afternoon. We've been loving the chat. We know that there's people here from the, all every state is represented in over 20 countries around the world. So wow. thank you for, for being a part. Um, we definitely want to make sure that you also see those two buttons on the right-hand side. That's our, our business plan is right there that you can download for the 12 steps that we're doing and encouraging you to have as a resource. And in addition, the whole conference schedule for the rest of the day is right there as well. So at Thrive, we are connected to a local church here, uh, Bayside Church, and we thought it'd be a perfect time to have a conversation with a couple of the pastors about, um, dare I say it, the word pivot <laughs> too soon oh, too soon no. uh, welcome uh, Kurt and James go ahead and introduce yourself yeah my name is James I'm one of the pastors here at Bayside I'm at Adventure that's in Roseville uh, California and uh, yeah uh, loving being a part of today uh, so many of our business leaders from our local church are tuning in and watching with their teams and so thanks for being a part of this hello my friend I'm Pastor Kurt I'm here at the Granite Bay campus been here about a decade at uh, Bayside, and man, did we have a pivotal, pivoting, with pivot sauce Christmas. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and this whole season, like all you business leaders did, so uh, yeah. Well, well, thank you for joining us. We're excited to just kind of be able to, to, to share. This afternoon is all about how you do that effectively and stay sane. Yeah. Um, and so- I don't you, know if we checked the box on the stay on sane the part. Same, yeah. same part, exactly. It's still out. Well, can you tell us about a moment that uh, you that you knew in your team that you had to pivot? Yeah, I mean, I, I think even early on when the pandemic first hit, you know, it was a striking mile marker for all of us when we knew, hey, we're going from indoors or indoors to outdoors to on-site, online. And I remember we just began to go like, okay, how do we do what we've always done, which is the mission of pushing the good news forward? How do we do that, but in a whole new way? What's the new strategy? What's the new method? So early on, it was about care and communication. But then when you get around to Christmas, by that point, we've cycled through, hey, we're going back on site. We're going back indoors. There was so much up and down in the pivoting. Eventually, we had to come to the place we said, we got to pivot from pivoting. And this is what I mean by that. When we got to Christmas, we were at this standstill, especially here locally, where we were saying, are we going to even be able to have anything indoors? So we got on the phone, got together with the team and said, hey, before we just cancel something, before we just pivot away from it, is there a way to create new options in lieu of this? And so I think for us, it's been happening. I think it'll continue to happen where we have to go, what's the new pivot in the season and lean into the disruption. But I think we tried to hold on and not let big dreams die. So there were some things that we're going to change the strategy. We're going to change the method on it, but we had to keep moving the mission forward. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So a lot of change. Bayside is known for being very creative. So Kurt, how do you take an already creative group and then use that process to pivot and dream a yeah. whole new 
Well, it's a very interesting, uh, similar answer to James in that we had a moment on our team, literally, where we all got in a room and said, we have been pivoting every week, every 24 hours. We've been, and we've got this play coming up called Christmas. And, um, and it's been one of our major plays, we, our major encouragements in the community, major outreach to the community. We're literally being forbidden to run that play in the same way that we have uh, uh, been. And we also are extremely motivated to stay health, uh, you know, regard people's healthy. So we literally got in a room and said, we've got to figure out how to do this. So here's what we did. We just simply, first of all, we just said, what's the problem? Hmm. So I think a lot of times what leaders do is they get stressed. Uh, what's going to happen budgetary in this next season if we can't run that play? What's going to happen to my employees if we can't run that play? What's going to happen to our brand if we can't run that play? And instead of avoiding the problem, we just sat around and we, we drew up what I call the case. Mm. What is this problem? The problem is we love packing the room full of energy and hope and putting a ton of hope people as they're packed in a room. Yeah. That play we can't run. So Corbin, our, our head of our worship arts department, raised his hand. He said, listen, what if we um, did a light show outside? Something like, like Disney does. So we start, the, that solution only came when we articulated the problem. And I think a lot of times, you know, we want to simplify, especially if you're optimistic, visionary people, you want to simplify, you want to deny a little bit, you want to obfuscate. you got to just own the problem. Really good. When we got done articulating what our problem was, we went, oh my goodness, we need God's help. <laughs> and so that brought a depth into it. Now, what happened out of that, what happened out of owning the problem is we had a bigger Christmas, engaged more people, did better on our budget. I think they got some photos. They just started, started running. This year than we've done in the last three or four years. So your light show up at the Venture Campus, we had more people go through it. Our Christmas tree, we had more people come to the Christmas lighting and the ice skating rink. The services were limited in numbers, but we added more services. And then we upped, of course, online, 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 online. And when you put it all together, we end up actually having one of the best Christmases that we have ever had. So the second step problem is solution. So once you articulate the problem, you go, okay, we're going to have to not run one play. We're running three. We're going to run an ice skating rink play. That's outside. We're going to run a tree lighting thing. That's a communal thing that meets the communal need, but we can still do it safe. Then we're going to do limited seating indoors and pour juice on online. We had to three-prong it. When we got done brainstorming the solution, we're like, this is going to be a lot of work. But here's what happened in the team. Everyone in the team that was stressed out from pivoting went, this just might work. Yeah. When you get to the, this just might work, yeah, you know, Pastor Ray always says, if you don't have faith in the future, you don't have power in the present. Mm -hmm. Articulating the solution and making a case for it. Here's our plan. Then this is the last part, Lori, and this is really critical. And I can, I literally remember this meeting. Problem, solution, your part. Yeah. No one's job description counts anymore. Yeah. We got a new problem. We got a new solution. Now we got to get new parts to play. And this starts with your senior, senior team, all the way down to your influencers and, and, and the core base. In our case, it would be core volunteers, but your core customers. And you got to go, everyone needs to pivot. So Stephanie Whitrip, for instance, we hired her in part of our women's ministry. She's killing it. Women's ministry is not gathering in the same way it was. Stephanie, you're on the comms team now. Mm -hmm. You're going to help get the word out about this. So problem, solution, your part. That's what we use to dream 
uh, and put a concrete plan in place so we could still do the Christmas plate. We just had to do it in a three-prong way, not a one-prong way. So you mentioned that, uh, what, I love what you just said, because earlier today, we had some of our local business and restaurant um, owners, and they said the very same thing. They're, they never thought about ever doing to-go orders. Right. They didn't, right. they never had an online presence. And they said they, and they were actually adamantly against it. They were all about service and the atmosphere in person. And I know we're big on atmosphere here at Bayside as well. And, but that has, but they were very successful. Yes. And they found new ways of doing things. So what you just mentioned, everyone has a new job description. Mm -hmm. Everyone's working in di different ways. So how did you keep them all motivated? And how do you still keep everyone motivated when they're constantly changing? Yeah, I, I love what Kurt was talking about, the problem. And it's got to be as big as it really is. I think crisis is a connector for most teams if we let That's it good. be. So if we all dive into the foxhole together and we go, okay, it's a whatever it takes to win mentality, there's something motivating about that just in itself. You know, when we're all going through this brokenness and this pain, the pandemic, when we're all going through that together, and it's like, hey, I see you. I see what this costs you. I see how hard this is for you. So for us, one of the motivating factors was simply looking at each other and going, what do you need? Like, what do you need? When you know the felt need of your team, you can better articulate the felt need of the community. Mm -hmm. So for us, one of the motivating factors was seeing and meeting the needs of our team and caring for them first. Uh, growing up, my dad, he would always say this. He'd say, care for people who carry the dream. Hmm. Otherwise, you end up caring for the wrong people. And so what we That's did good. is our people who That's were on the team who were like, we're going to move this mission forward. We're like, all right, how do we take care of you? How do we lean into your life? What do you need from us? As we cared for them, they moved it forward. I think the other side of the motivator was how do we dream? I remember uh, jumping on the phone with Dave Rodiger. He's in the studio here today. We were on the phone with him and Peter and Jeremy Drew and Michael. And we're going, hey, if we get to Christmas, we get to this moment and we can't meet indoors, what can we do? What could we do ahead of time? Before we're forced to pivot, what's the play? And that's when we came up with the drive-in service. And the drive-in service, none of us knew if it worked. Mm -hmm. And thousands of people showed up and were a part of it. So I think the motivating factor along the way was, hey, we're all in the same battle together. We're on the same team. The second side of that was going, let's celebrate the small wins. Mm. Some of the small wins from the spring and summer we're all still here. We're making it. We're getting through this together. Look at life changes being uh, happening at our campuses. Look at the people who continue to come back. The drive-through, we were open more nights. Uh, we did it in a different way. And so stopping along the way to celebrate. Sometimes I think um, in organizations, we get big mission. And big mission is great. It's a motivator for a season. But big mission without big morale will leave everyone frustrated and feeling defeated. And the pandemic's still not over. Because it's not over, we can't wait till it's done to celebrate. We've got to celebrate and throw some parties along the way so people are motivated for the big mission. And so I, I think for us, one of the things we dove into was how do we create good morale, this family atmosphere where people say, hey, I'm waking up every day. I know this is difficult, but I'm glad I'm not doing it alone. That's that was brilliant. one of the most motivating factors for us. So I'm just going to throw something out here that we didn't talk about earlier, but so now you, the pandemic isn't over. Yeah. What are some things that you're that you found that you're going to add to your playbook for the next few months, but maybe permanently? Yeah. Either one of you. Uh, more sleep. <laughs> Just in the cold winter weather. Yeah. Spinach, baby spinach is good. That's you know, it is funny because I do tell our team all the time: get some sleep, eat something green, take care of yourself. I love that. Care for the people that carry the dream. You know, when I was in um, first starting in ministry. 
I was planting groups on secular university campuses, Christian groups. And I was very ambitious. And I had this idea of like, look at the map and there's not one at Stanford and there's not one at UCLA and there's not one at UC Davis. And I would look at our students and leaders and my friends, and we were all young. And I'd say, you need to go there, advance, go sacrifice. And I killed a few of my friends doing that. And I had a shift in my heart and I said, you know what? I'm not going to worry about the dots on the map. I'm going to worry about the people God has given me. Yeah. And as I cared for the people that God has given me, God gave me more people. Yeah. And, you know, if you're a great place to work at, people will want to work with you. Yep. It's, it's, yep. it's, it's similar to the tithing concept. God blesses people that have shown that they are trustworthy with resources to use those resources in a kingdom uh, fashion way. So I do think it really comes down to, to caring people, taking time to listen to them, asking questions, being felt cared about, you know, saying to them, I want you, uh, I heard Ray say this to a leader the other day. He said, I want you to be fully fulfilled and sleeping well. That's good. Fully doing your calling, sacrificing, working hard, sweat, getting your hands dirty. But I want you to go home now, sleep well. And there's a tension between that. When a leader cares about both sides of that tension, then I think the team definitely responds. That was also earlier. Some of our speakers earlier said very similar things is that the owners and the leaders who are really not just worrying about their business, but caring for the people that work for yes. them. And setting the example yourself. Like you can't be telling people to get to sleep and eat spinach. Come on. And you're, you're burning. Like this is one of the things I've seen Pastor Ray do prioritizes his family. Mm -hmm. So we work hard around here. But if if one of Ray's kids calls in the meeting of a $2 million campaign to help the Northern Congo and everything's on the line, global thing, we will stop that meeting. Yeah, We will stop that meeting so he can tell that kid his advice on what they should get at Les Schwab uh, because yeah. they got to change a tire out. And it's it sets a culture that's really... Uh, empowers you to do the same thing. I think that's one of the gifts too of the pandemic. I know it brought a lot of pain, of suffering. It's mm -hmm. taken a lot from us. But one of the gifts in this season is it taught us that people are our greatest resource. Mm -hmm. People are the highest valued thing. And I think it shifted from all of what are we doing? What are we achieving? I think as humanity, one of the things we're waking up to is the value of each other. And I think diving into that. This is a great time for organizations to take down silos. Yeah. Um, because, you know, most silos are unintentional silos. So, you know, let's say you're running a restaurant. The kitchen staff cares about the food doing well and getting out there. The accounting team doesn't want them to spend too much. The marketing team wants it to look. And they all have slightly different mm -hmm. little things. You know, the accountants want to be more conservative. The marketers want to spend tons of money. And little silos create. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden in the crisis, you start going, let's care for each other. Yeah and get the job done. And then you come out of the crisis and you're like, oh, we're one team now. We're not three or four departments, we're one team. So it's a real, there is an opportunity in that. Well, I think when you mention everyone kind of learning each other's jobs is that they might have more empathy. Yes, Because they 100%. had to walk a few days or a few miles in their shoes. Yes. And then now all of a sudden they understand more of the organization, your company, your business, whatever that, you know, exactly. whatever that is. Exactly you, how did you get the word out? You guys did so many great things for to, to change and pivot. How did you actually communicate that to the thousands of members and people who attend your guys' campuses? Well, I, you know, I talk about the micro and the macro on this. So everyone talks about the macro now. The macro is social media, 
Um, of course, you got to boost it. And how are we doing? And what's and our metrics? There. We view our insights. And then we all end up doing kind of similar things and it becomes white noise. Of course, you have to do that. Of course, you have to um, lead there. You know, the big thing I do on the macro is please just don't do ads. Be a human. Be real life. You know, this is what Taro Makuni does so well. You, you feel like you're living life with him as he's doing his sociology. You're not just getting an ad about how fresh the fish is at Makuni, even though it is. Um, so that's the macro, and we'll let Kerry Newhoff talk about that. I think what's being undervalued is the micro, yeah. which is one raving fan organically can do more than seven posts. Right. So I have personally bu built the uh, uh, Kniesel's Auto Body business here in Sacramento because <laughs> all of my children get in wrecks. And the service there is so incredible, I'm just constantly bragging about this guy they have on their stuff named Dave Brown to everyone I could talk about just because it's awesome yeah. how great he is. Wh what letter can you write? What note can you write? And here's the, the secret. It's not, Kirk, I have a big business. You want me to write three handwritten notes and that's going to be my advertising? No, it's influencing the influencers. Yeah. It's saying, what concentric circles of fans can I create? Lori, this is something I've learned from you <laughs> as you've taught around here at Bayside. Who can I exceed their expectations with mm -hmm. in a personal and, and kind of a micro way? And then what you find is, if you get 10 people in a room that become raving fans, they'll each get 10 people in a room that become... Now, can you only do the micro? No, of course. Can you only do the macro? No. But when, when we're trying to get the word out about our pivot to Christmas, we built the case with ourselves. Then we got influencers in the room and said, here's what we're thinking. What do you think? What's your pushback? How can you help us make this better? And then once they became owners on the micro, they went out and became fans for us and therefore on they're on so i love that idea of the owners because i think you know in our in our business and what we do with our lives we're telling the greatest story ever told but every business is telling a story you know if you reliable auto is telling a story about how they care for their customers and the product that they're putting out i think everyone's telling a story but great stories have a lot of characters you know who's there and so what we try to do at christmas is say it's not come and see what we're doing mm -hmm. it's come and see hey there's this kids that haven't got to perform because everything's been closed and they're going to be performing their dance routine. And hey, there's this, this band, they're not being able to do anything outdoors and indoors, but they're going to be at this. And so we tried to give everybody a place at the table. Uh, what is it Ray always says? Uh, people tend to support what they help create. People help support what they create. That's it. And so I think around here, what we try to do at Christmas is say, you're a part of this. Now, what's the part that you can't wait to tell everybody about? And the word spread pretty quick. Yeah, it's the, it's the old cliche, the wind, wind cliche too. So like schools were shutting programming down. Mm -hmm. So we called it, we said, we have this ice skating rink. You guys aren't doing a dance. Do you want to do something outside and safe on our ice skating rink, Delaro High School? Yeah. Oh, by the way, our PTA wants to sell stuff because our, great, we could set that up, social distance. So all of a sudden, now they've become an owner. They're like, we had two goals we weren't sure how to get done. We had a goal. We want to fill Christmas and engage the community. Now our goals are synced in together. They're owners. And the next thing you know, you have a ton of wonderful Del Oro people scampering all over the campus. And So what I hear you guys saying is, is don't feel like you're alone. Not. Right? You're not, no one's alone. If you're a small business owner, if you're a community group, a church, it's like reach out, get your little, get, get your group and reach yeah. out from there. Because we're definitely all going through this at the same time. Um, and again, pivoting is not something that 
has become a dirty word. Right. It's become a bad word. <laughs> no one likes it. But unfortunately, I think we are going to be doing it for a little bit longer. Um, we just have a few seconds left. Any last-minute words? I just want to say everyone out there that, uh, you know, uh, the thing about seasons, when they're bad, they always feel like they last too long. But the truth is, seasons come to an end. And this season will end, too. And we'll get through this. Now it's winter. By the way, not literally talking about the storms in Sacramento. I'm talking about just where the world is. Spring will come. Spring will come. Spring will come. Hang in there. Don't give up. Thank you guys so much for coming and sharing how you guys were successful. Um, and we wish you the best of luck in the next few months. We're well, that was uh, a great session there. And uh, we have one more we're going to share before we're done. But uh, that whole idea of pivoting is pretty amazing. And just being part of Bayside and seeing all that that took place and our family getting a chance to participate in the activities that were described uh, was pretty amazing. So um, we're going to go ahead and run the second one and then we'll be back and we'll have an opportunity to share some things before we head out of here. So this one is a conversation uh, Ray and Andrew McCourt had and uh, five observations Ray has about hope. So we're going to go ahead and run part two right now. <laughs> hey, everyone, there's one thing that we've learned. you got to laugh in this season. Well, we are live here in the studio. And for this session, I'm going to be talking to uh, Pastor Ray Johnson. Uh, and Ray, you for years, you've been coaching business leaders. And, um, and our whole Thrive world or Bayside world has been made yep. up of thousands of executives. And you've been inputting into their lives. Yep. And today you're going to talk about this, the five most important questions Every leader needs to ask in life. And you're passionate right. about this because I think that you, Ray, if one thing I picked up from you is it seems to be that the most important thing in anyone's future, in any organization's future, yep. in any family's future, yep. is, is the heart of the leader and the mind of the leader. Exactly right. That's exactly, by the way, Andrew, that's exactly right. Um, it's been, it's sort of been a lifelong project and I've had a ball working on this. By far, the most important thing about a family is the condition of the people leading it. The most important thing about a business, a school, a church, a whatever it is, the condition of the leader ends up determining everything. Um, one of my learnings for two years ago, and I did a thing training 12 CEOs of corporations. I spent an entire day with them and I started the day with this. And so if you're in business, uh, write this down, screenshot, whatever you have to do to get this down. Said this, nothing great happens through you until it happens in you. Mm. And most of us are so stressed trying to make everything happen through us, we get lost, good things go. If any great thing in your future is gonna have to happen in you before it happens through you, which is why, one of the reasons I'm so glad you're here today. Oh, fantastic. So, Ray, let's dive into these five, I mean, that's a great title, the five most important questions every leader needs to ask. Question number one, am I living with rising levels of hope. And, yep. and Ray, unashamedly, I mean, you, you wrote a book on this. This, I did. Is, this I did. has been your passion. This has been your heart. H how do people get hope levels to rise in their life? Yeah, let me see this for a second. Okay. Um, this, <laughs> this book, and I'm not here to hawk a book, okay? All the proceeds of this go to an amazing ministry called AIM, and we rescue girls from sex trafficking. So I'm not making any money off this thing. Um, the What happened is this. Um, about a decade ago, my daughter Leslie came home from school 
and we had a conversation that changed the way I view everything. Um, she actually came home and she said, Dad, I have been assigned, I've got to write a paper on a leader, and I picked you. And they said it was okay because the leader, the teacher knew who you were. She said, so I have 20 questions. You'd have to answer them all, honestly. So we have a jacuzzi in the backyard. So I thought, let's just do this in the jacuzzi because I'm going to end up in hot water. May as well start there. <laughs> so we go out and we have this incredible conversation. And she, we talked for two hours. She fires 20 questions. Her last question was her best question. Her last question is the most important question anybody can ever ask. And here it is. She looked at me and said, what is the most important thing you do as a leader? What's the most important thing you do? Okay. And, and let me ask you the same question. If you had to answer that, what are you filling it in with? Okay. What's the most important thing you do as an employer, as an employee? What's the most important thing you do as a person, as a husband, as a wife, as whatever roles you're in? What is the single most important thing you do? And my answer to Leslie was easy. That's easy. By far, the single most important thing I do, or anybody else, if they'll think deeply enough about it, the single most important thing I do is this. Make sure I stay encouraged. Mm. It's make sure I stay encouraged. And the reason for that is this discouragement precedes destruction. I don't know anybody that's ever come to me and said, man, I am so encouraged about my marriage. I'm getting a divorce. I'm so encouraged about my business. I'm shutting it down. I'm so encouraged about school. I'm dropping out. In other words, the, when somebody's encouraged, they have all of the inner stuff. In other words, when they've got hope, they have all of the inner stuff to go after it. So question number one for everybody is this, am I living with rising levels of hope? Because when a, a psychologist told me one time, he said, he said, when somebody just gets 10% increase in hope. Wow. He said, when somebody gets 10% increase in hope, he said that, here's a great quote. He said, the psychologist said, then anything's possible. Okay. And so number one, question number one is, am I living with rising levels? And by the way, that, it took seven years, Andrew, to write this book. It, I, evidently, I'm a very slow <laughs> writer. But what happened is this. We didn't want to write a trite thing. We want this at the Wall Street Journal, the mm -hmm. week, the best, because business leaders we're reading it, okay? And we basically went not so much about hope, but what are the seven things that if you will build into your life, you will have sustainable hope. It's these, these are the seven things I've tried to build into businesses, uh, business people. I've tried to build them into Bayside. I've tried to build them into our Thrive Conference. Um, the, um, we've got great pastors in this town doing the same thing in this place. I mean, the, these are seven things. If you build these into your life, you have sustainable hope. Fantastic. So five most important questions every leader needs to ask. Question number one is, am I uh, living with rising levels of hope? Number two is this, are my batteries being recharged? Exactly right. So, okay, so um, every human being probably has an iPhone. Um, seven of you may have a Samsung. And, and <laughs> the, this is useless if it's dead. It is, it is expensive technology. It's useless. Every organization in the world is only as effective as the recharged level of the batteries of the leader, okay? Um, and, and, and the problem is this. And so the real question you want to ask over a long period of time is this. What recharges me and what drains me? Mm. And I have got to make sure as a leader that my level of recharge is 
always greater than my level of what's depleting me and discouraging me, okay? And, and by the way, almost everybody in America, after we've had multiple pandemics, okay? Almost everybody in America after these multiple pandemics is being discouraged and depleted and drained mm. by three things. Unhealthy people, unkind critics, and unbalanced schedule. Matter of fact, if you're leading anything, you're going, man, our government seems to be making it harder to do anything, okay? It's like, uh, I just go, there are all kinds of, people are less healthy emotionally than they were a year ago, okay? Critics are awesome. Matter of fact, and they're on the internet 24-7. Yeah. I, I told a group of leaders the other day, I said, two things happen when you spend massive amounts of time on social media, okay? Mm-hmm. You get madder and dumber, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and there's unhealthy people, unkind critics, and an unbalanced schedule. That's brilliant, right? And those three things kill passion. They deplete your red. So and now everybody's different, Andrew, which means I've got to go, what is it that recharges me yeah. and what is it drains me? And the key to life is to go, Spend more time doing what recharges you and less time invest in what drains you and you and everything you touch will be far better off. Okay, I'll give you an example of that. My main learning from COVID happened to me at a backyard in Southern California. It was early March. Um, we are eight weeks away from our Thrive Leadership Conference and that our Thrive Leadership Conference, probably both of us, it's one of my favorite oh, days right. ever. I mean, I just, it, uh, thousands of people from all over the world descend mm. um, on this. Um, it's in the city of Sacramento. And and it's just, and I love building into these leaders and the connections and good friends from all over the place. And, and just watching thousands of people sort of watching God restore their vision for the future. And, um, and it was the second week in March and I'm in Southern California and Coachella canceled, the tennis tournament canceled all on Sunday afternoon. And we got a phone call and we said, we have to pull the plug on Thrive. And I was so discouraged and depressed. Okay, and I'm the guy that wrote the book on hope. So, you know, <laughs> this is not a good thing. And so I spent, I usually get down, but I bounce back fast. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I was discouraged and depressed for a couple of days. I'm in the backyard the next day. And I thought, I'm going to read my Bible, spend some time with God. And, and that started to recharge my batteries. And then this thought hit me mm. and I, what, what I, the thought I heard was this, you all ready for this? I felt like God said to me, if you will let go of discouragement and replace it with dreaming, the world can be a better place. Mm. If you will let go of discouragement and replace it with dreaming, the world will be a better place. But if you don't let go with discouragement and replace it with nothing, yeah. the world never gets any better. Okay. And so what happened is we called our staff together and we said, let's take the limits off and dream. And instead of a Thrive Conference with four to 5,000 people on site, we took the entire, and here's our dream. We started dreaming, and it sounded crazy at the time. Could we dream up doing the single largest ever fully online absolutely free (laughs) leadership conference ever, okay? And could we take day one and create an entire day on diversity and justice Mm -hmm. and unity and race Mm -hmm. and, and and then also would everybody speak free? Mm-hmm. Okay, so like, because we're going to give it away for free. Let's do the entire, let's try to do the world's largest ever global free online conference, three days. Everybody we asked to speak free said yes. It was stunning. It was a lineup like I don't think anybody's ever seen. 
And um, and what happened is then we thought, okay, maybe there'll be a few thousand people, you know, yeah. five to six thousand people at Thrive. This may go to seven, eight, nine, ten thousand. Mm-hmm. Okay. By the time the dust settled, there were there were over a half million people on it. Mm-hmm. Four hundred and thirty-four distinct devices, one hundred and thirteen countries. The first two questions asked were asked in Swahili and answered in Swahili. And we're literally going, this is amazing. And the other thing, we basically went, let's do a Compassion First conference. So we had all these causes and people pledged and gave during that over a million dollars. And I walked out of there and said, here's what I want to say to you. If, If you will let go of discouragement and start dreaming the world can be a better place and amazing things can happen. And that only happens when you recharge your batteries. Fantastic. So we've got to have rising levels of hope in our lives. We've got to try and get to a place emotionally, physically, wherever it is, um, and recharge our batteries. But I love this question here at number three. Do I have enough support. And I've heard you talk about this before, Ray. We've shared it in various platforms about this balance between challenges and support. Yeah. Um, When I I lived in Chicago years ago, uh, and those of you in Chicago, hi there. I still love the Cubs. Um, And every pizza parlor there. (laughs) When I lived in Chicago, um, I was a professor at two graduate schools and a university. And I heard a lecture from the national stress expert in America. And this person said some very complex things, but the simplest, smartest thing they said was this. They said, um, there's good stress and bad stress. No stress is not an option because it means you're dead. Mm. Okay? And they said, good stress is, it's more complex than this, but to simplify it, good stress is really two things in relatively equal balance. Okay? And here they are. Good stress is control, is, well, it's basically challenges and support. Mm-hmm. Okay? And... When challenges rise above support, that gap between support is bad stress. Mm. And I sat there and probably like you, the minute I heard that, I went, there's challenges and support and they go like this. And I literally went, and so do you. I have enough challenges for the next 10,000 years. (laughs) The last year has brought enough challenges for the next 10,000 years. Um, I have enough challenges for decades and decades and decades, I went, my lifelong need is going to be to get enough support. Because if I have enough support, I will be able to handle and manage this stuff, but I don't have enough support. It, it literally is not going to, is not going to work. And so I, 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 so I would just encourage you to go, what is it? What is it that you are going, I need more support and how do I get that support? Okay. And Ray, you talk about you've got nine sort of sources of support that people, that the business leaders can have in their lives and need to have around them. Uh, Can you remember those, Ray? Um, the, I think we're going to put them on the screen. Oh, here we here go. We go. Okay, we're just going to run these by you. Into, if you're a leader, here's nine sources of support, and you can use this as a checklist. Okay, here we go. Number one is this, spiritual support. Okay, mm-hmm. that is basically going, man, the closer I am to God, the better off I'm going to be. Okay, that is really going, I've got a healthy inner life. Number two is this, okay? It's personal support. And that is really asking the question, are the people I am around do they drain me or do they replenish me? Uh, and there are some people, frankly, that I just can't have around, okay? <laughs> I just every time I spend with them, I'm worse. Other people, I spend time with them and I'm better. Mm. And you all know who they are. Just make sure those are balanced. Number three <laughs> is this. It is staff support, 
Okay. And every time I'm with a large staff doing a consulting thing, we walk through this a little bit and half the leaders in the room come up and go, I have to fire somebody. Okay. Mm-hmm. And cause I'm always saying to people, you cannot have people you pay that don't have your back. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can get people that don't have your back for free. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to have people that are misaligned and not on board that are a drag on the organization because fundamentally what happens is this, it just is a lack of support and I'm not at my best. Okay. The fourth thing is this. It is board support. Most people have a board of directors, board of it. That board uh, should be a support organization. It's also a governance organization, but part of that role of that board should be a support organization, which means over time I need people on that board that are fundamentally supportive. Okay. Right. There's a next one. And it is organizational support, okay? Mm-hmm. And that is pretty much going, if the organization's a mess, stress rises, okay? Which means I need an organization that supports the vision and which means we've got to figure out what's our vision and then if we have to redo the organization to support the vision, it gets redone. We're in the process of that here yeah, at yeah. Bayside right now and mm-hmm. kind of always are. The next one is this, okay? It's public support. Mm-hmm. If you have a business and nobody knows about you, you're in trouble. So it's really smart on this grid of going, how am I going to get these things? When you get to public support, you're going, what's my strategy for getting public support? We have a number of seminars today yeah. and a couple speakers yeah, on Actually, Taro's coming later on. Taro, who runs McCooney, it's a yeah. local sushi business. He is one of the world's best leaders in this yep. and how he galvanizes public support. And all, he does a lot of that through charitable donations and stuff. Yep. He's, he's phenomenal at that. Yeah, it is. I mean, he started, like literally started this from scratch and now have... Oh, well, he's 800 employees. Yep. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal what he's doing. Yep. And so, I mean, great guy to learn from. Make sure you tune into that. Okay. The next one is this. Okay. Financial support. Um, almost everything requires financial support. If you're in a nonprofit, okay, um, this is something to pay attention to. Um, but any business has got to pay attention. Do we have adequate financial support? I was in a meeting with some folks the other day going, how do we create adequate financial support so that you have a thriving future? Okay. Next thing is this. Okay, the intellectual support. And that is really, it's something where people don't get, if you are running a business and the higher you appear in a business, I think what happens is the less time you have to think, the less time you have to think, which means the world is moving forward intellectually and I'm falling farther and farther and farther behind, which means figure out, for example, I subscribe to a couple things where books are condensed and they're in about six forms and I get that stuff and in a minimum amount of time I can catch up and then if I want to buy the book and read it, um, the fact that you're actually listening to this or I have a podcast, I have a leadership podcast, all this stuff's going to cascade on that. You can get that kind of stuff and listen to what you drive around. Um, do something just to get smarter every day, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, yesterday I got up, I was exercising in the morning and I put on a podcast by Ricky Jenkins, okay, from Southwest mm-hmm. Church. It was brilliant. And I'm literally going, I, I wanted to stop working out to take notes. Well, well luckily <laughs> I got it on a podcast. Why don't I have to? I can listen to it again. Yeah. But just in, the next one is this, okay? Inspirational support. And that is where you're going It's what happened to me in that backyard. Sometimes you just need to be inspired Mm -hmm. because when you're inspired, all the batteries recharged and you've got enough. So what I need is this. I need inspirational support. And many of us that are kind of wired to get things done, never put that in the equation. Yeah. However, people that are inspired tend to have a better future and they tend to dream better. 
That's okay? fantastic. Ray, these are great. We should do a Thrive webinar just on one of these sometime. Yeah, I think it'd be really smart to put it in a grid and then fill in how you're going to get these things. Great. So five most important questions every leader needs to ask. Am I living with rising levels of hope? Are my batteries recharged? Do I have enough support? And this one is so important. Am I playing great defense? Absolutely. Am I, am I playing great defense? Um, we've all seen businesses... We've all seen major ministries that are in the headlines in disarray and over one thing. Play, play. Well, a matter of fact, when we put together the seven things that need to get built into your life, we worked with a PhD professor. We surveyed a thousand people from every state. We have an, oh, by the way, you can take an online hope test to figure out where you are in these things. Okay. And when we wrote HQ, we, um, we then tested this all around the country. And I got a phone call from the professor, and he said this. He said, take a wild guess what was number one. And I said, what was he? said, playing great defense. Mm. He said, the fastest correlation between hope being lost or maintained is, do I keep things out of my life that are going to crush hope? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, for example, when bitterness enters, hope exits. Mm -hmm. Okay. When anxiety enters, hope exits. When fear enters, hope exits. And so playing great defense is a huge thing. I want to give you three principles if mm -hmm. you want to have a future. And these three things are going to be key for leaders having a great future. And if you're in a place you can write these down, I'll write it down. If you're driving, don't bother. Here we go. Number one <laughs> is this. Um, question number one is this. Am I responding to bad news in great ways? Mm. The only people that have a future are people that respond to bad news in great ways. I mean, the Old Testament, Nehemiah gets bad news in chapter one, and he goes and builds a wall in 52 days that people said couldn't happen for 92 years. What happened? What's the, the key to leadership is to respond to bad news in great ways, because we're going to get nothing but bad news over and over and over again. That's what we tried to do with the Thrive Conference. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, same thing. We heard all this bad news stuff about business leaders. We went, is there a great way to respond? Okay. Yeah. And it's really a personal discipline. I'm going to get bad news all the time. That's the normal way I want to react. How do I respond to bad news in great ways? Number two is this. Um, never make any decisions when you're down and never draw conclusions when you're down. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the problem is this, Andrew, the way I'm wired, the minute I get down, I want to make all these decisions. Okay. <laughs> I quit on this, on this, on this, and don't make that. So th those are two things. And then the third thing is this. Uh, do you have any critics? Do you have anybody that's on your back, not on your side? I have a million of them, people, mm -hmm. okay? Um, this rescued me, and this may be your favorite phrase of the year. Here it is, okay? Never listen to criticism from people that you wouldn't turn to for wisdom. Wow. Never listen to criticism mm -hmm. from people that you wouldn't turn to for wisdom. Those are three really good questions that will help you play good defense because there are people or thoughts or things that if they get into your life, hope is replaced by despair, which leads down to some really dark roads. Oh, wow. And then question number five, Ray, I, I, this one is probably my favorite, is are my expectations being raised at this moment in time? Yeah. Are my expectations raised? Um, I wrote an entire chapter on that in here. And part of the reason I did that was, um, Andrew, did you read the Steve Jobs book, the, the biography? Yes, yeah. um, I read that and I went, this is one of the most convicting things I've ever read. Mm. And because I'm literally going, Steve Jobs at his core believed impossible things are possible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm a person of faith. I'm supposed to, so are churches. We're supposed to believe impossible things can happen. 
okay? But I've been in more studies where they're going, well, it's not in the budget. You know, nothing can happen. And that, it was a great challenging thing. And for people whose expectations um, need to be raised, you don't tend to get in life what you deserve. You tend to get what you expect. And when somebody has expectations, then that thing follows, okay? And it's interesting. The, um, there is a very interesting word in the Bible, okay? It's a word, I think it's the most powerful word in the Bible other than Jesus. <laughs> it's the most powerful word in the Bible and nobody's ever noticed it. Jesus looked at the disciples and they were a mess, mm -hmm. okay? I mean, Peter, mouth's always open, foot's always in it, always whacking up some guy's ear. You know, they're having a meeting. They're going, this is gonna be great. You know, Thomas goes, I doubt it, okay? They're always, I mean, the disciples were a mess, and I'm glad the Bible's so honest about that. Mm -hmm. And Jesus looked at Peter, Thomas, and these ragtag bunch of fish, and he said this, follow me, and I will make you, and then here's the word, he said, become fishes of men. Mm. And I read that, and I wrote an entire thing about this. I went, that's the difference between people that are great future developers of people and people that keep people down. Mm -hmm. I, I literally went, what was the key to it? Jesus saw people in terms of what they could become and I see everything in terms of what it's like right now. Show me a person who looks at anything like it is right now and I'll show you a discouraged person, okay? And But however, show me a person that can view whatever it is in terms of what it can become mm -hmm. And it leads to a brand new day, okay? As a matter of fact, if you've got teenagers, if you're looking at your teenagers in terms of what they're like right now, you will probably be discouraged. And if you can pray enough, get inspired enough, build the stuff in your life enough, and see them in terms of what they can become, then you will be liberated and they will be lifted, okay? Every organization, the minute a leader stops looking at it in terms of what it's like right now. Now, you have to do that because you're going, where are we, okay? However, you can't get stuck there. Mm -hmm. every, every business needs to ask the question, what can we become? Mm -hmm. And the minute somebody starts looking at their marriage, their kids, their business, whatever it is, in terms of what it can become, it liberates them, and all of a sudden they have a future for the first time in a long time. Absolutely incredible. Come on, everyone, one, one last time. Five most important questions every leader needs to ask. Am I living with rising levels of hope? Are my batteries recharged? Do I have enough support? Am I playing great defense? And are my expectations raised? So I'm going to say all you business leaders, there you've got something for your next staff meeting. You know what you can bring to them. I'm going to encourage you, copy those notes down. Why don't you tweet them today? Share them with someone. And better still, why don't you just copy the link at the moment, take a moment, text a few friends and say, you need to get onto this conference. Why? Because you need rising levels of hope. You need your batteries recharged. And why don't you share that around? Ray, thank you so much. All right. Great, great session with uh, Pastor Ray. And we, um, first of all, uh, we've had some questions that folks want to know, how do I get to watch everything from the uh, business webinar? Well, it is all online, including the breakouts right now. So you can go and watch every session, every breakout. And it has been pretty fun uh, being able to scroll through those. And uh, we'll go ahead and put the link here in the chat uh, for how you can get to that. But it's available at the thriveconference.org website. And under the resource section, you're going to find all the breakouts uh, and the main sessions. 
<clears throat> so uh, make sure you hop over there and listen to those. And again, I think that's they already uh, put that link inside of the chat. Yep, there it is. So just go there, grab that. Uh, for those of you on Facebook, we'll uh, we'll throw that in there as well. And uh, what a what a great day. Um, so uh, Dave or Dan, any any thoughts after listening to these these great talks today? Well, I I love let me see if I'm not on mute. I love Ray's comments. The five uh, areas that a, a leader needs to think about, and I. Um, I wrote those down, and I've heard those a number of times from Ray, but I think Andrew's right. Having that at your next staff meeting, that could lead to some great discussion. So that that was my takeaway. Enjoyed all of it, but that was my takeaway. That's yeah, so I think, good. too, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, John, I was just going to add, I think, too, that when whenever I hear either Kurt or James or Pastor Ray talk about what they're sharing, we literally live this at Bayside and Thrive. So it's it's just a confirmation, reiteration of whatever they're saying. And we're here to, to attest to the fact that we have done literally everything that they've said in their talks. Yeah, you know what? It, one of the things, and uh, Dave, you alluded to this, I think that, you know, a great way to use this content is to use it in your staff meetings. Um, you can use it to uh, have a small group around, uh, have discussions. Business leaders in the community are looking for ideas and help and support. And if you and your church become that for that community, you're going to see some good things happen. Uh, we also have a class called Business Goals. We'd love to have you join us. Uh, we'll go ahead and put that link in as well. So if you'd like to learn more about our Business Goals class where we train uh, business leaders, we have an app that uh, business across the country are starting to use and a lot of great information there that will help you. And, and it happens alongside of other business uh leaders as well so they're you know you've got a whole network of people that come in and then also we have a lot of churches that are using business goals as not reaching to the community so if you'd like more information on that you can get a hold of dan and dan you want to just throw your contact information in there that i think will be helpful well uh thank you for joining us today on the webinar and uh we will see you next week uh we are still working on our topic for next week we've had a uh, couple things that we're moving around, but uh, we'll get that information out to you shortly. Um, but whatever it is, we know it's going to be good. It's going to be exciting. So have a great week. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you. We'll see you next week. All right. Thanks to uh, all the folks who participated with the Thrive Business Leader Summit. And just put it on your radar, team, leaders, uh, family, friends. The Thrive Conference is back this spring. And we're still working out the exact details. Uh, there probably will be some sort of in-person experience as well as the free online Thrive Summit that happened last year. And we want you to just be a part of this. So go to thriveconference.org. You can find out more information there. Um, we believe it's going to be the last week of April or first week of May. So this is early. You're getting uh, insight early before we've even nailed down the, the, the full schedule and details. But just want you to have that on your radar because it's going to be an incredible couple of days of interviews, conversations, music, fun, insight, etc. So Thrive Conference coming up this spring 2021. And also uh, just keep on your radar to always go to thriveconference.org. You can find all kinds of free resources and videos, conversations, podcasts. The Ray Johnson Leadership Podcast is available. So make sure if you're subscribed to this one, you also subscribe to the Ray Johnson Leadership Podcast. But I'll leave you with that. 
And uh, thanks again to uh, all of you for being on the journey with us. We want you to be a, a healthy leader with the thriving church. That's our goal. So until the next time, this is the Thrive Leadership Podcast.